What's up, everybody? Greg Chapman here with the Gentleman Gorilla Small Business Podcast. And today I have a special guest, Colin from Denver, Colorado, Danae Osted, and she's here to talk with us about money, women, and entrepreneurship. Danae, yeah. You, yeah. All right. Could you please introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and kind of your mission in life. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm going to try not to give you just a little business pitch. I feel like I do that all the time. So uh, yeah, money, women, and entrepreneurship. I know that's super broad, um, but that's the realm I choose to hang out in. Um, I run two businesses essentially, and they kind of go hand in hand. So the first is that I run a financial practice. So uh, I know that sounds kind of, kind of stuffy. Um, but all that means essentially is that I've kind of committed myself to uh, teaching entrepreneurs about money, about how to get through those, especially the first couple of years where it's really hard and you mm-hmm. don't know what's going on and your income's $10,000 one month and then 200 the next yep. and up and down and totally unpredictable. And now you don't have benefits anymore and you don't know where your health insurance is going to come from. And it's all just kind of a cluster And then you have to deal with taxes and trying to plan for retirement and all of those things. So I'm kind of the glue that puts that all together. Um, And just teach me, just teach us people about money. Like that's a big deal. Like, I don't know. Where did you learn about money in the first place? Where did I learn about money? You You could say you haven't yet. It's okay. I would say that it started a little bit in high school. My parents would say, all right, every paycheck you have to save half for your college. And then um, past that, really not much until I had to start learning stuff on my own as I started my own businesses. But it was never um, a financial, it was never anything past learning how to save and then letting the interest compound over time. There was nothing, nothing past that ever. I will say that even just knowing those two concepts, like that you have to save money and that interest compounds over time, puts you ahead of like 80% of the population. I would say that it would, except for at a young adult age, I decided to start being an entrepreneur. And then any savings that did exist always got dumped into businesses. So... Okay. Isn't it crazy how that works sometimes? <laughs> it so. is. And it's just purely on the mindset of why would I save this when I'm basically investing it into myself when it's going to give me massive, way more returns than if I just kept it in the savings account. Hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed, you know. Keep on working and someday the payout will come back, right? I, I would agree with that. I think entrepreneurship in general is just kind of this massive leap of faith. So you know, you could play it safe your whole life and deal with something, whatever, stable. I say stable with, with air quotes and secure again with air quotes, because there's nothing really stable or secure about a job most of the time either. Right. You can get laid off at any time. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a whole new mindset in the last decade since 2008. People realized, Hey, the big businesses don't actually have our backs for life. Cause up until then it was, you give them your 40 years or whatever, 43 years, and then you're going to live off of pension and your 401k and um, social security. Like that was going to be it. And then all of a sudden, the, all the big companies kind of went under in 2008 and everyone lost their pensions and their retirements. And then everyone that's young enough 
I have to consider myself young enough. So I was only like 20 and 20 when that happened. And so it kind of sucked getting out of college and there was no um, economy to kind of jump into, but you know, you learned a lesson. It's like, yeah, we can't rely on anybody but ourselves. Like my grandpa yeah. lost millions like months before his stocks matured. And that just, oh, that just gives you the shivers. Yeah. It happens over and, and over. Yeah. And he Crazy worked stuff. for one of the biggest companies in the world and he was pretty high up and just like he still has a retirement, but not one that like they expected. Yeah. It also just doesn't work the same for us anymore because when I think of, uh, you know, my parents even, and that wasn't, they retired, whatever, three, four years ago. So not that long ago, but especially my grandparents, you know, when our parents and grandparents were going to retire in the first place, you're right. Most of the time they were working for the same company for 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. So they'd have this pension, right? Where, you know, their company's paying in the whole time they're working there and they're providing this guaranteed income that doesn't run out through their whole retirement, right? That's a big deal. So, you know, if 50% of companies were offering that 20 years ago, you know, we looked in 2016 and it's something like 3% of fortune 500 companies offer something even close to a pension, yeah. right? And it's even less now. So that's not even really a thing anymore. So yeah. basically if pensions have been replaced by 401ks, which essentially they have, you know, while pensions provide a guaranteed income that doesn't run out, like do 401ks do the same thing? No, no. <laughs> right. So people cannot live their money with a 401k, yeah. especially if the market takes a hit, like, like your grandpa, like if the market takes a huge hit the year before you retire, your 401k isn't going to last all of that. Like, no, you know, it's kind of a scary thought. And you know, and what I, go ahead. I was going to say, and I mean the life expectancy part too. Yeah. Like you, you save for, you expect to be alive for 15 years after retirement on the strong end, you know, and then all of a sudden your life for 30 years after retirement, you're like, uh, you know, that's 15 years of no income and you're at an age where you can't really like jump back into the workforce. Yeah. Like, what are you supposed to do? It's terrifying, right? Exactly. Like there's, there's all these stats about like people being more afraid to outlive their money than they are of dying. And mm -hmm. it's so funny because that's not something that people are scared of growing up. Like, Oh yeah, of course I want to live a long time. But once you start thinking about retirement, it's like, you know what, when the life expectancy was 75 and people retired at 65 and you had a pension and social security and you mm -hmm. only had to have personal savings to make up the rest, yeah. your retirement was awesome, man. Yeah. Like, and yeah, that you have a house that you paid off over yeah. your 30 year fixed mortgage mm -hmm. and then a fixed income, your bills are the same basically. Like, you're like, yeah, you can plan it. That's just not the way the world works anymore. No. And it's just, honestly, it's just because of the numbers. Like if you look at even social security, right? Cause that's the other piece. When that system started, there were 45 people paying into the system for every one person getting a social security payout. And now because all the baby boomers are starting to retire, now the ratio is three to one mm -hmm. three people paying in for every one person taking a payout. Like those numbers suck. So yeah. If I'm doing a retirement plan for somebody who's my age, like I'm not even factoring in social security because I'm not saying it'll be gone. I go to social security updates every once in a while. I went to one yesterday and we might get a reduced benefit. It's probably not going to be gone altogether, but who knows, who knows in 40 years when I retire yeah. what that's going to look like. Right. Yeah. So, um, to bring us kind of back to what you do with your financial based business. 
So like, given what you know about like my circumstance, like 32, um, have my own businesses going, uh, small but growing income, like what would you like recommend for me and my search from stance like? Well, that's, that's a very broad question that requires a very specific answer that I totally can't give you. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> what, what I'll say is that if I'm sitting down with somebody, especially entrepreneurs, the plan looks totally different than if I'm sitting down with somebody who works as an employee in a corporation and their whole plan is to work a nine to five until 65 and then they're not going to do anything anymore. Okay. Right? Because that's not how entrepreneurs work. That's just no. not how our brains are functioned. Like I love working for, with entrepreneurs in particular because they have a bigger vision for their life most of the time. Right. So instead of, well, I have this very linear straight line retirement. That's what that looks like. So often it looks like, you know what, like I'm going to run this business for a while, then I'm going to pass it off. Um, so I just have an ownership percentage and then I'm going to open another business and maybe I'll get into some real estate investing too. I want to be able to retire at 45, but I'm not actually going to stop working. I'm going to keep doing passion projects or open other businesses or whatever, go on speaking tours until whatever, I can't walk anymore. Yeah. Right? That's what entrepreneurship looks like when it comes to retirement. So if I'm sitting down with somebody, I have to get so specific about what their goals and dreams are because it really changes person to person. So I know for myself, like, so I run my practice with, with my boyfriend. We both have kind of similar ambitions. Both of us have, um, you know, pretty big ideas for our lives. You know, mm -hmm. we have other business we want to run. He's a musician. He wants to open a music venue at some point. He wants to work with talent in a financial way. Like I have all of these things I do with women. We'll, we'll kind of get into that in a second. Um, but we have these bigger ideas for our life. So if somebody tells me that this is what I need to do to have $10,000 a month at 65, like it's not going to be relevant, you know? Yeah. So, so a lot of times, especially with entrepreneurs and that's kind of my, my realm, those are my people. So especially if somebody's in their first couple of years of the business, right? First of all, if it's in your first year, year and a half, we're not even sure you're staying in business a lot of the times. Um, I work pretty heavily with real estate agents. The turnover for real estate agents is insane. Like how many real estate agents do you know who are like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm selling houses now. And then all of a sudden they just don't pay, post about oh, it man. anymore. So um, I've recently gotten to a point where, so I've almost maxed out like my Facebook. Um, and I've been doing like, I've been playing it and, you know, doing the ad friends and everything. And then recently it hit a point where now like everyone somehow I hit something and I'm getting all a lot of small business owner people are adding me. Mm -hmm. But I swear more than every other person, somewhere around maybe 60 to 65% of people is a fucking real estate agent. No. And adding <laughs> me. Like it is there's so many people that are real estate agents and it is blowing my mind. Like just watching these stream of friend requests come in, they're either a fake profile or a real estate agent, I swear. And then occasionally I'll get, you know, like other types of people in other industries, but I don't know what it is. Like there's just so many real estate agents. It's blowing my mind. It's, it's crazy. And I seriously don't know exactly what led to that in the first place, but I know in Denver, it's so funny because, so I, I teach classes in real estate offices fairly frequently for 
new real estate agents. And the class is literally just like how not to go broke in your first two years of real estate. Like <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, but the, the market is insanely oversaturated because mm-hmm. I know the stats were like a year ago. So these are not accurate. Don't quote me on this. But about a year ago, there were 47,000 homes on the, or yeah, no, there were 47,000 real estate agents in Denver. Okay. And there were 3,800 homes on the market. Isn't that insane? Yeah. 47,000 real estate agents, 3,800 homes on the market. How many of those real estate agents do you think are actually making money? 10%. Yeah. I think that's about, I I would say that there's probably a percent that does, um, you know, whatever, a couple deals a year. Yeah. And then there's a percentage. It's like a small percentage are doing almost all of the rest of the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you know, in real estate, for the most part, if you just stick it out, your chances of being successful are so much higher, but there's, there's a learning yeah. curve in the first couple of years. So, I mean, I feel like that's really like any type of big sale service type industry like that, like selling insurance, being um, a financial advisor for like one of the financial firms, you know, where they come yeah, in. Mortgage like, lenders. Yeah. Yeah. Everything like that, where like it's a big sale, cars, boats, mm-hmm. RVs, like it's, there's not going to be a huge volume of business, but the barrier to entry to get in to be a licensed seller is so easy Yeah, that you're going to get all the people that need a job and they're going to be like, I could sell real estate because real estate agents honestly sell the job pretty well because you have to be positive and like it's a sales job yeah it's so funny though because so much of it is not real Mm -hmm. you know like if you see all of they make it seem a lot of the times like they're just closing home after home after home after home that's not always the case right they make a big deal about the ones they do but nobody talks about the months or years in between when you're not making any money and I, you know, with, with my specific clients, it's totally normal for them to have a completely irregular cash flow. So that's one of the things I go through with my clients is, okay, where are you making your money? Because everybody either still has a part-time job or they're mm-hmm. working full-time and that's their part-time job. That's entrepreneurs in general, right? We all yep. have to pay our bills somehow. So during that crossover point, like, what are you doing? What makes sense? So I had a client last year who in all of 2017, she made $8,000, $8,000. And she had support from her, from her spouse. She had other things going on. She yeah. was okay. The next April, she made a hundred grand in one month. Totally normal. <laughs> Isn't that entrepreneurship though? It's so weird. It is. So that's, that's what I find when I'm sitting down with people is I got to figure out, first of all, what are your goals and dreams? right? Mm -hmm. What do you want? We're going to get really specific. If you want to go to clown school, we're sending you to clown school. Like people have told me weirder stuff. Um, you know, and sometimes that's, I want to send my kids to college or I want to have a business that I can pass on to my kids. That one's more fun for me in in my opinion, or I want to buy investment properties or I want to pay off all of my debt, whatever it is, whatever somebody tells me is the priority is where we're going. We go through cash flow again, because it's so specific and you really have to tune in sometimes to how much money people are making because if you don't then like here comes the the debt monster <laughs> yeah because that's a huge issue we go through you asked about savings and it's so mm-hmm. funny because 
we talk about savings a lot with entrepreneurs because here's the situation that happens. Everybody's like, okay, I'm going to be an entrepreneur now. Let's say I'm going to start a photography business, right? Okay. Again, another like low barrier to entry. Like, you know, there's a few people who are making most of the money. So I'm going to start a photography business, right? So now I'm going to quit my full-time job. So now I don't have health insurance, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have a 401k. I don't have any benefits. Um, maybe I don't have any savings, okay? Because most people have less than $1,000 in the bank. Like pretty crazy, but that's, that's America for yep. you. And most people have a significant amount of debt. Okay. So now you're working in a business where you are the business. Okay. There's nobody else who goes out and makes money for you. It's just you and your camera. If you stop marketing, if you stop going out and doing jobs, there is no money coming in. Yep. Right. Okay. So now, like I said, you don't have health insurance, so you get sick or you get hurt and you can't work for a month. So how are you paying your bills? You're not. You're not. So either you're not paying your bills or you're getting more debt, right? Yep. So either way, that's a bad situation. So when I'm sitting down with entrepreneurs, we're really focused on, I, don't, I honestly don't care if somebody quits their job immediately if they're going to start a business because that's not always the right thing to do. You know, I would much rather somebody have at least some money in the bank so that if something happens, you're not screwed over, right? And in this situation, if you don't have health insurance and you have to go into the hospital for something, like medical debt is the leading cause of bankruptcy in America by far, mm-hmm. by far. Because you can never with, plan for it. Yeah, how are you supposed to? And even if you do have health insurance, who knows if it's going to be adequate for what you need, Right. you know? So it can be kind of a nightmare to navigate. So those are the things we go through right off the bat you know, retirement is all part of this, but it's not the only part of this. There's so many things that fit together. So, you know, I like talking about assets and investments and things like that too, because it gets to be, you know, fun and exciting. Um, But sometimes there's some base pieces that go in first. Like, are you making money? Like, we're not going to invest any money until you have it, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to commit somebody to something they have to put in a few hundred dollars a month until they have money in the bank in case something goes wrong, right? So a lot of different uh, pieces that come together here. So that's a lot of it. Yeah. So to kind of leave the financial um, part of this, like what, what are a couple of like the most common tips you give people just to like make their money more consistent or to make it a little bit more reliable? Because when it is going up and down, like what can people Mm -hmm. do to help pad against the ebb and flow of entrepreneurial income? Those are, that's a good question. Okay. So the first is, so one of my favorite quotes, and it applies to pretty much everything in, in my life at this point is until you make the unconscious conscious, it'll direct your life and you'll call it fate. Okay. One of my favorites. I love it because especially when it comes to money, people kind of ignore it until it's a problem. So especially if you're an entrepreneur, if your cash flow is inconsistent, you have to make it as conscious as you possibly can. So what that means is if, especially if your bills are not on auto pay, right? Mm -hmm. First of all, put them on auto pay, make a calendar that shows exactly what day of the month those come out of your account, figure out exactly how much money you need in your account every single week to pay those things off and keep that in front of you all the time. 
because if you don't know, you're going to miss payments. When you miss payments, you get fees and it just snowballs out of control. So especially in that place where you're transitioning from no income to inconsistent income to more consistent income, you have to be very, very conscious and it makes a difference, I promise. And if that's the case, maybe talk to somebody and see, okay, do I need some sort of part-time job to supplement this? Because I would much rather somebody spend a few hours a week bartending and be able to pay their bills than have it snowball out of control. That's a big one. Um, if you have an issue with spending on a card, it's so funny because there's two different trains of thought here. If your business is a cash business, start using a card, right? Mm -hmm. Because then you can track every single one of your expenses. A lot of those are write-offs. I'm not a tax advisor, but talk to your tax advisor, right? Yeah. Some of those are write-offs. But if you have an issue with using your card because it doesn't feel like real money, then use cash. So if you only have $100 in your wallet, you can only spend $100. That's it, right? I'm not of the opinion for the most part that everybody needs to reduce their spending by a million dollars. Most people just need to understand how much they're spending in general so that if somebody knows exactly how much they need to put away for retirement or exactly how much they need to put in their business or exactly how much they need to put into their savings, then you can spend the rest of the money that you have guilt-free and be excited about it instead of anxious that you don't know if it's going to the right place. Right? Yes. Okay. So the other not financial advisor part of this is that if you want consistent income, you have to have consistent activity, right? You have to keep putting in the effort Yes. and it takes time. Like I think that there, there's this stupid illusion in entrepreneurship that if you're going to be successful, you're going to be wildly successful immediately. No, no, <laughs> I think it's almost the opposite. Like, I think that it's really a measure of success when you find people who are resilient and stick it out, even when, mm -hmm. you know, shit's hitting the fan. And we could talk about that too. Um, I talk a lot about like the valley of despair and the stages of starting something new. That's one of my favorite things that I train on. And, you know, shit's going to hit the fan. It like it happens. And the people who stick it out and are resilient even when they're not making money, those are the ones who are gonna be successful long-term. But you can plant seeds over and over and over again, and you have no idea when they're gonna actually start sprouting. And sometimes it takes years. That's exactly right. It, um, a quote I just read the other day, um, a fantastic book I'm reading, um, or actually just finished reading, called, Um, oh shit, I'm blanking on the name, but it's really good. But the quote is the best marketers are farmers, not hunters plant, tend, plow, fertilize, weed, repeat, let someone else race around after the shiny objects. And it's true because anytime you're, if you have your own business, you're your own marketer. Um, oh, the book is called this is marketing by Seth Godin. Great cool. book. Um, but yeah, so it's it's constantly planting seeds and watering them and tending to them. Like building my marketing company over the last few years was first I found people that I believed in that were at the same level as me. And then I said, I'm going to work with you for free on the understanding that as you grow, I grow. And then I'd say 95% of those people don't exist anymore but the 5% that do are great clients 
because they're growing now because we're just after a few years everybody is growing and prospering a little bit more and a little bit more and then you just share that with each other and it's too true with all of your clients no matter what level they're at is just um, even if you are your own client you're marketing yourself selling yourself it's just continually plant and water and tend get all the pests out every once in a while you know <laughs> yeah no, you know. that sounds exactly right. And one of one of my other favorite quotes, I have a lot of quotes and I never know who say them. So I'm, I'm so sorry to everybody who says the things I repeat um, is most people miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like hard work. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite ones because I think that, you know, because in the business that I'm in, you're right, kind of like real estate and mortgage and all of those things. There's all of these like large paychecks and the company I'm with you know, it's not a big deal for somebody to have a month where they make a hundred thousand dollars. Like there are probably yeah. eight, eight people in my office who do that almost every month. Like, cool. No big deal. Like we talk about money a lot. Awesome. But everyone's like, well, that, you know, that sounds too good to be true. It's like, it's not too good to be true. It just takes a, a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> it takes work it's, and time and patience. It's like on my social media, if you follow me, you know, what you're going to see, you're going to see me hanging out with other business owners. You're going to see me doing photo shoots with beautiful people and lots of products and smoking lots of marijuana and going to (laughs) parties all the time. But that's, I don't know, five to 10% of the time. The rest of the time is me sitting in a computer, not trying to get like a crick in my neck, staring at a screen and looking at numbers and seeing which ones are working staring at my bank account, looking, thinking about how to make it bigger, uh, texting as many people as I can, trying to get new leads. Like it's, it's all just a massive amount of work just at your desk. But yeah. I mean, I have a marketing agency. People think it's awesome. Like it is a fun lifestyle from the outside. And you know what? It is fun, but it's also exhausting and tiring. And it's a face that I have to put on. But like, that's almost harder work to me than sitting at a computer screen. But I feel like people just see the glamorous side of being a business owner. Yep. I feel like for, for me and, you know, for most of the women I work with, most of that work is internal. And what I mean by that is especially in any sort of sales role, because, and in your marketing, you're in sales, like, mm-hmm. you know, anybody who runs a business is in sales, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. And the hardest part of that work is getting rejected. It's hearing no, and not only hearing no, but having to get used to asking enough that you get a no, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's the hard part is dealing with your confidence and your insecurities and changing your identity so that you feel like you can ask for more and you feel like you deserve more and you feel like you're where you're supposed to be, you know, and especially for women, and I'll talk about that in a second. That is a huge issue, like massive, <laughs> the, probably the biggest issue we have. Is the mental game? Yeah. I mean, it's for everybody, but I, I can tell you, so like a slight tangent. Um, so the, the other business I run, and we talked about this a little bit before we started, is a women's group called Level Up. And I started this group because um, I basically built my business through networking a hundred percent because I mean, like when I met you, I was working in bars, right? Mm-hmm. I'm really good at working in bars, but all of my friends, when I got into finance, 
I was like, okay, awesome. So I'm going to go talk to my friends and they're going to work with me and they're going to send me clients. And I was like, oh my God, all my friends are young and broke. And those weren't the important parts. And the don't important- have their own network. Yeah. And they didn't know any, they knew their parents. I mean, I guess that's something, but you know, they didn't have any vision or goals. Like a lot of the times, like if you ask a lot of people that I used to work with and they're, they're awesome people, you know, what they wanted out of life. Like, I don't know if they'd be able to tell you and that's okay. You know, a lot of those people grow up, but they weren't the people I needed to talk to. So I essentially had to build my network from the ground up. I had to go find people And show so me your I, network. I'll show yeah. you your net worth. Show me the five people closest to you and I'll show you yourself. Like, oh my God. And that's oops. so accurate too. So I started networking like a fiend. So I would go to every networking event I could find. So seriously, I went to four or five networking events a week. I would do 15 to 20 one-on-ones a week. And I just met with people all day long. And what was so frustrating for me was when I started going to these things, it was just so like, best face forward. Like everybody's giving me business cards without asking anything about me. And I'm meeting with these people and especially a lot of like anybody who's like old school sales, it's just features and benefits, features and benefits. Here's why my company's awesome. Business is great. Send me clients. And it's such bullshit because if you're, if you're networking, if you're, you know, building a business, chances are like you're fighting. And sometimes it's really hard. And if you're building a relationship on this surface level of, you know, everything is great, it's bullshit, you know? (laughs) And so when I started having conversations with female entrepreneurs specifically, um, the conversations were really different. And entrepreneurs in general are like this, but specifically with women in the style I work anyway, the conversations were like, okay, what are your goals? Where are you going? Who can I introduce you to? How can I help you? What resources do you need? How can we help build each other up? And it was so much more fun. I was like, is this how this is supposed to be? Um, so I was trying to put something together that was like, okay, how can we put together some sort of group that's focused on the authentic connections and the vulnerability of saying, hey, running a business is really, really hard. Like, how can we connect on that level and then build each other up together? Which is kind of yeah. how the the whole deal started and I'll say as far as like association goes like the network and network thing like all of my close acquaintances now all of the people I hang out with all of my business partners my referral partners the people I hang out with all the time it is so spot on that all of our income is around the same level when one of us starts making more money we all start making more money like when one of us starts having big things happen we all do it's The, the rising tide uh uplifts every ship something like that yeah something something like yeah. that. that's close <laughs> same general arena rising yeah. tide raises all ships i think that's it i i agree with that so anyway now i just run this uh clan of um women and there's a lot of entrepreneurs but we also have some stay-at-home moms we have some doctors some lawyers some students retirees like Anybody who just wants more support in their life is, is kind of who we're, we're dealing with. And it's been so much fun. You yeah. know, when you find your people, things just fall together. You know? that, that is so true. It's almost like, it's almost just like once you just open yourself up to kind of letting the world happen to you while at the same time just putting yourself into the world. Like that's just when all of a sudden your community comes to you. 
and like you find your purpose, you find your path, you know, and then it's almost, it almost just makes too much sense sometimes. Like it just, it's like, all right, it's like, I feel like everything led to this point to me being here. And then you, all the stupid stuff that would happen throughout your life that made you like random experiences that made you a certain way. All of a sudden it's important because that's like some of like the keys, the, the bricks in the wall that like bring it all together. And you're like, how the fuck does this make <laughs> sense? You're like this totally random thing that turned me into this type of person or gave me the skill is totally exactly what I need to be successful in this situation. Exactly. And, and some of those are really bad experiences. Like mm-hmm. some of the worst things that have happened to me, I was talking to um, one of my partners the other day about this and we were talking about how um, sometimes I'm so oblivious to, I know I sound like a total hippie when I say this, sometimes I'm so oblivious to what the universe is telling me that I need a violent course correction in my <laughs> life to get, get me back on track. You know, like I lived in, I, I mean, I have a couple examples. Like when I lived in Minnesota, I went to college in, in Minnesota and it was a very small town. Like, you know, it, it was the kind of town where I, I went to a small school, like 600 people. And by the time I graduated, it was like 80% of people were already married and had kids. Like mm. that's the kind of town it was. And I was having fun. Like I was partying and I was bartending. Like, you know, I grew up, I was homeschooled growing up. I was super sheltered and I was like, Oh, this is so much more fun than that. And so I thought <laughs> so I was working at a couple of bars. I thought that's where I was going to stay. I was like, I'll hang out in Minnesota for a while. And I 100% was ready to just fall into something comfortable. You know, if I had had a decent relationship and an okay job, I probably would have hung out there for a while. Instead, I had a car accident that totaled my car. So I had to basically quit my jobs because you can't walk to your jobs in Minnesota in the winter. And I had to move home. And I, it it was miserable at the time, but I'm so glad I did because I was not meant to live in small town, Minnesota for the rest of my life, you know? And then a couple of years later, um, you know, I was selling real estate. I wasn't very good at it. That's part of why I help real estate agents now is because like, I'm one of those people who wasn't ready for it at hey, all. And I can, I can admit that now. <laughs> that's why I love to help small businesses because I decided to start trying to run them and I had no idea what I was doing. I needed so much help and guidance. Yeah. And I just stumbled my way into being someone that knows how to help other people now. It's crazy how that works. Failure is right? part of the process in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so I, I was selling real estate and I was bartending too. And I just, I was, I don't know, busy all the time and I hated it. So I just sold everything and moved to Jackson Hole. And I worked in a resort there for nine months. It was awesome. Like I had all this money saved up for a house. I was so excited because room and board was paid for there. So I didn't have to spend money on anything. So I had like 12 grand saved up and I was so excited because I was going to buy a house all by myself, just from the money I'd save bartending. Like that was a really big deal. So one day we, we rented ATVs mm. and I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I'd never done this before. So this is so stupid. They're like, I still haven't told my parents about this. So if they listen, they're going to be not <laughs> thrilled. Um, so we all signed waivers at the beginning because it's like a tourist trap and they make you sign a million things and you never think any of it's going to apply to you. So essentially like long story short, it was my first time riding an ATV. I ended up kind of going off the path. And I didn't know how to course correct. So I ended up like throwing an ATV off of a cliff essentially. 
and um, I had to pay for the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. Not only that, I was dating a guy I was with and my credit card was put down for his too. And he damaged his. So my entire $12,000, $10,000 of that was gone in one day out of a 20 minute ATV accident. I know. I know. It was devastating. And the, the stupid thing is the lessons I learned from that now, right? First of all, um, they threatened me so many times not to sue, which meant that I should have sued them. First of all, um, I should have talked to my dad about it because he was way braver than 22 year old Danae mm-hmm. who was scared of a contract. And I should have just like sucked up my pride and talked to him. I probably would have gotten out of a lot of it. I was too scared. So I did it. Um, and now I know because my whole plan was just to keep doing seasonal work and I was just going to keep going and living on resorts and drinking all the time and having fun. And that wasn't the plan for me either. So that was the course correction. I moved home, went right back to Sportsbook. And I was like, God, I need something else. And that's when I met my partner. He became my advisor. Like he helped me out so much. I was like, how can I send you people? And he was like, well, why don't you just do this yourself? Like, if you know people you can help, like, why don't you just help them? And like, that's, that was the course correction to a course correction to a course correction that landed me here. And I've never felt in my entire life as full of energy, as ambitious, as like limitless, you know, as I do Mm -hmm. right now, you know, I feel like it's almost like a religious experience once you start finding your path because you're like, is this what it's supposed to feel like? You know, this is what I've been working towards. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun when it hits and you're just like, oh my God. Yeah, and sometimes I'm also just really sad and depressed because entrepreneurship is also really hard. So <laughs> right now I'm like up here. Sometimes I'm down here. Hey, I, uh, I totally get that one as well. It's a, it's a very polarizing lifestyle. It's, uh, and if you don't have people in your life that understand it, then it's very easy to find yourself alone. I would you know? agree with that. But once you find those people, everything moves faster and you have support in a way that like, I don't know about you, but like when I got into, um, running a business my family was like you're doing what like (laughs) you're a bartender like you don't know how to do anything else and so my family didn't quite get it and now they're very supportive but it was so important for me to find a group of people who got it yeah and then once they're there it's great because it's like yeah it's like running alongside you like you find the people that can keep up with you find the people that motivate you and then it just makes you more unstoppable I would agree. If you can find people who, who motivate you in the right way, then sometimes they're pushing you in ways that you never even imagined, which is the ideal situation. Absolutely. Oh man, what a wonderful podcast that was. Oh, um, thanks. I just talked, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the whole idea. Um, can you let the people know where to find you? Social medias, websites, whatever. Yeah, definitely. So um, my finance website is very compliant and it's tfaconnects.com slash Danae Austed. That's the easiest place to find me for finance. You'll get a better idea of what I do. Um, I can work with people over Zoom, online, all over the place. I have no minimums. It doesn't cost anything to work with me. Awesome. Um, If you want more 
content about entrepreneurship and um, women in business specifically, but also just some mindset stuff. Um, I also run a podcast. And oh, nice. Yeah. So you didn't even know that. It's all chicks. Otherwise, you could be on there too. Um, I'll wear a wig. Yeah, right? We'll, we'll switch <laughs> it up. I love a good makeover. So <laughs> not opposed. Um, but it's the Leveled Up podcast. And you can find us on Spotify, on Apple Music, on Anchor, on anywhere podcasts are found. Um, you can also just check out my personal Facebook um, because I have links to everything. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for all of the wonderful advice and your awesome life story and your journey into becoming who you are today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was great. I'm super excited for you and everything you're doing. All right. Awesome.